It was born out of a pressing need to keep pedestrians safer following a record increase in vehicle pedestrian crashes and then expanded to encompass reducing multimodal vehicle crashes as well. Denver's Vision Zero plan has become a model for other communities across the country. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. On the streets of Denver, someone dies every six days while traveling in the city. Particularly concerning is the recent spike in pedestrian vehicle traffic fatalities this year with a month and a half still on the calendar. The central focus of the city's Vision Zero plan is a movement to eliminate traffic fatalities and severe injuries by 2030. It is an imaginative plan that coordinates driver and pedestrian safety with streets re-engineering to achieve a positive outcome. You can re-engineer infrastructure and reset speed zones. However, the principal need is the re-education of drivers and pedestrians regarding the new changes and their role in this emerging safety effort. With us on this edition are, from the Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure, City Traffic Engineer Emily Gleckner, Department of Transportation Communications Director Nancy Kuhn, and Transportation Planner Rolf Isinger. Vision Zero is really a, a policy that was adopted by Sweden in the 90s as a new strategy to tackle traffic safety. Um, the aim was really to say that nobody on our street should be killed or seriously, seriously injured uh, while, while traveling from point A to point B. Uh, and it had a goal of zero. Um, and I'd, I'd say that uh, the idea ended up jumping over the pond, and uh, Denver was an early adopter in uh, pledging Vision Zero in 2016. And uh, the plan was developed in 2017, and we started to, started to um, hire staff in 2018 to implement the plan. You know, Americans are kind of known for, well, if we don't think of it, we don't want to do it. But was there something else going on here that uh, Denver said, you know, we got to find a way to mitigate this because if it gets out of hand, it's going to be worse. So let's adopt something. And then they learned about the the plan in Sweden and brought it here. Yeah. In 2016, uh, there were 61 people who had lost their lives on our roadways. And uh, at that point, the the city um, had pledged to to Division Zero. I think they're looking for. Uh, opportunities as to how can we uh, make our streets safer, what are other strategies to make our streets safer, and uh, Envision Zero was was one of those strategies. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Equity is a key aspect of the plan, and when most people think equity, that means all drivers have to drive the same, all pedestrians have to look out the same. What is the equity meaning in the Vision Zero plan? We uh, – use data to drive our decisions. And we have created this equity index, so to speak, that helps us better understand where we can gain the greatest safety benefit Uh with our safety improvements. So one example, maybe with our equity index, we may see more bicycle and pedestrian crashes in certain parts of the city. Uh, And those same areas may be the areas that don't have bike lanes. They don't have sidewalks. So then our pedestrians who may not have access to a vehicle are ending up walking in the roadway. Um, And and therefore, you know, crashes may result. Uh, So therefore, we're trying to invest in those areas to provide separation for our bicyclists 
uh, for motor vehicles, as well as provide a safe place for our pedestrians to walk and access destinations such as transit stops or um, local eateries, those kinds of things. Now, is this what you mean by a systems-level approach to safety? Yeah, definitely. Um, Focusing on the system level, the roadway design, instead of trying to fix everybody's behaviors one-on-one. Emily, you all are really, really doing some real thinking about how traffic flows and making it flow differently. Absolutely. Um, You know, as we adopted this program and this plan, we've shifted our focus from a car-centric transportation system to one that really focuses on people and uh, moving people along our streets, whether they're uh, cyclists, pedestrians, on a bus or on a train um, or in a vehicle. And so it's really changed the way we look at how we deal with our streets within our network. I think I was reading that 50% of the fatalities occur on only 5% of the streets. Really? That's surprising, isn't it? It's um, That's known as our high-injury network. Those streets are our arterial roadways um, in our city. And uh, those are the streets that carry our highest volumes of vehicles. But mm-hmm. we we also see a lot of pedestrians on those streets. We have pedestrians trying to cross those streets. You know, we, we have uh, these corridors or some of our transit corridors as well. So we're really focused on how can we um, better operate uh, these streets so that they work for people. Okay, when you say better operate the streets, now we've seen some, I guess, some uh, pedestrian safety zones coming up on Colfax and other places. And and I guess a lot of drivers say, what are those little white cones sticking up? They're not cones, but Mm -hmm. uh, what are those white pedestals Mm -hmm. sticking up there? And and some of us, oh, well, that's the separators from the bike lanes. But they probably do Mm -hmm. a lot more than that. How did your Mm -hmm. thinking get to that point where you're really subdividing a street into multimodal use? Right, right. Well, to make our streets safer for everybody, we need to – uh, we have been implementing a number of changes along those streets. And so you mentioned those uh, white posts. Those are, those are flex posts and bollards. We use those to uh, narrow our roadways. Um, mm-hmm. We're using them to provide uh, shorter crossing distance for pedestrians. So um, we can put them in the middle of the road to create a median effect, or we can put them at the street corners um, to provide what we call bulb outs. Um, and that helps lower the speed, creates a friction um, for people on the street that are driving. And um, we see that, you know, we have seen a change in the way um, people operate on these streets when we do put in those posts. Uh, we also utilize those to help separate bike lanes and right. the space for people to uh, ride their bike down the street, and it separates them from the vehicles. Have you been seeing um, longtime Denver residents who who have drilled into their heads how certain streets operate, how many lanes are there, where they make their right turns or lane changes and switches, and then when you put that in there, they have to – uh, basically relearn those streets again versus new people who've come here. They just take it, oh, this street's always been like this. Is there mm-hmm. a learning curve for uh, drivers there to refigure it out again? 
Sure, sure. What we're working on right now is really changing that culture. And the way people look at our streets and the way people um, utilize our streets. So there, there's a shift in it. And I, I know it creates, um, it's, it's uncomfortable for people that are used to the way our streets have been operating for the last couple of decades. But yeah. our streets aren't working for everybody and we need to change them. So you said the first thing you're thinking about when you're restructuring streets is to make them pedestrian safe. Did I hear that correct? Well, we want to make them work for our, all of our users. Mm -hmm. on the street, and that includes pedestrians. When you were doing your research into how you want to plan or do a street design, have you had any surprises you didn't expect there along the way, the way people were using the corridors or the way uh, pedestrians were crossing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure about surprises. Okay. We we have noticed that, um, you know, these these efforts that we've put in place um, really are working for us. They do have a tendency of, to drop speed. Managing scooter riders, because probably, Rolf, when this plan was put into place, those scooters were not around. And and anybody mm -hmm. who's been walking downtown or walking any place knows that scooter riders for some place just think the whole thing is their territory. They do what they want to do. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and that the uh, traffic laws... Uh, or the bicyclists know, but many of them don't respect either, that they don't apply to scooter riders. How do, you, how do you get around a barrier like that or thinking like that to make, to make Vision Zero successful? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, similarly with bicyclists, I say um, the more we design for a user, uh, the more likely they are to follow different traffic control or different safety uh, um, safety laws, um, and uh, we recently, yeah, had have a couple contracts with scooter companies, and we were working with those companies um, to provide education material on on the app, and we continue to provide safety information about how best to operate those scooters, um, either it be on in the middle of the the road on a low speed roadway or in a bike lane, if there is one. Um, so depending on the type of street, will depend on where that scooter operator is best to operate. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've gone great lengths to work on uh, defining that and, uh, and and pushing that out to our operators uh, who can then advocate and inform their, their operators. How yeah. I need to break away from that for a minute and, and ask Nancy, I think this weekend or this Sunday, this actual day today, is a World Day of Remembrance for road traffic victims? That is that is correct. So this Sunday we are commemorating uh, World Day of Remembrance for tra traffic crash victims, and we've done this now for a couple of years. And what we do is we light a candle for every person who has died on Denver roadways since we adopted our plan in 2016. So 378 candles uh, will be lit. And we um, will also, you know, recognize those we've lost this year. Seventy-four people already have died on our streets this wow. year. Wow. And so this is a way for us to come together, um, think about um, these people, think about, our, you know, what we're doing and, and our behaviors and, and just, you know, really recommitting, you know, to, you know, what we've set out to do, which is to continue our work. Um, the design work to make our streets safer. We also, um, this year, we, um, we 
have this huge banner that we've hung. Um, so our, our event's going to be happening at our wastewater management building at 2000 West 3rd Avenue. Behind that building, there's a pedestrian bridge that crosses the South Platte River. Yeah. And we've placed this 100-plus-foot banner on that bridge. And it's visible from I-25 and visible to folks who are um, riding their bikes along the trail. Oh, and sure. our message this year says, slow down, uh, save lives. So we really are trying to um, reaffirm the principles that the city is committed to and also, you know, ask people to help us, ask the public's help in, 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 in helping us reach zero. And there are behaviors that can contribute and speeding is one of them. They can, speeding can contribute to both the severity of a crash yeah. and the risk of being seriously injured and, and, and dying in a crash. So there, there is some of that, but really, really what we're doing is, you know, as a city, we have committed to doing what we can do and, and we have more work to do with 74 people dying on the streets. So we're committed to that. And it's a way for us to all think about our commitment. Yeah. And so the more ways you do that, uh, the more embellishment into our minds when we're driving or walking, it's going to help uh, reach the goals of the vision zero plan then. Right. Speed, speed itself, uh, speed design. Uh, drivers get impatient with just sitting at stoplights. If the stoplight is too long, and then they run their engines up and go racing down the street, irregardless of what the speed setting is. And in some places, I think you've already reduced the default speed in Denver from, what, 30 to 25 or something like that. Are we going to need more driver education about that to uh, to reduce speeds to make that an integral part of the plan and working part of the plan? We have uh, a few corridors where we have already reduced speeds, um, you know, including Evans Avenue, Cherry Creek Drive South, Peoria Street, some of those high-injury networks. We have already reduced speed and um, put in a few elements to reinforce those reduced speeds um, and continue to um, look at other opportunities um, to reduce speeds on, the, on those high-injury networks. I know we said that, that uh, 50% of the fatalities on 5% of the streets, okay, being a good journalist, give me two of those streets where a lot of those fatalities have been occurring. Uh, Federal Boulevard is one of them. Um, I think that's our, and Ralph, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's our highest injury network. And we are doing, we have a number of projects along Federal Boulevard to help mitigate um, some of those issues that we see. And then another street on our high injury network, I believe is 56th Avenue. 56th Avenue? That's not what I would have thought about. I would have thought probably Colfax. <laughs> Colfax Avenue is on is on there. We have a number of projects along Colfax Avenue. As you've already mentioned, um, we've put in some of those um, pedestrian safety elements. Now, does RTD, with either one of you, uh, help out there with redesigning the lanes? Because a number of those streets, they run buses down. And we had those mm-hmm. dedicated bus lanes on Broadway. I think it's still there because Broadway's wide enough to go from like five lanes to four, now down to, I think, three. But does RTD participate in your planning there and the redesign of the streets? Absolutely. RTD is one of the stakeholders that we work very closely with um, to identify, you know, where uh, we should be making those transit improvements and where we can um, uh, collaborate 
uh, on getting improvements for traveling public. Rolf, you know, I've also read that risky behaviors uh, contribute to uh, traffic uh, traffic fatalities as well. Distracted driving now, I think, is one of the biggest there. People are trying to do stuff on cell phones while they're driving their cars. What other things have been uh, uh, drivers have been doing, which is which which have contributed to these auto pedestrian crashes? Yeah, you know, this year actually we've seen a decrease in pedestrian fatalities, which which is great. It's been a three year trend going down. Um, and I believe since the plan was launched, this is the year with the uh, lowest number of pedestrian fatalities, which is great. But we have seen an increase in single vehicle crashes and fatalities. And many of the reasons why are, just like you mentioned, people who are distracted, people who are speeding, uh, also people who choose to drive under the influence. Um, these are all um, key factors that have resulted in that single uh, vehicle crash rate going up. We're also seeing, uh, I think, 64% of the motorcycle crashes are with guys riding around with no helmets. And also seatbelts. Um, Come on, seatbelts could another... be a problem. Really? Nobody's wearing seatbelts again? I, I would say, from, from what I understand this year, yeah. uh, there are about 70% of our traffic fatalities could have been saved if people were wearing their seatbelts. Our guests on this edition are Rolf Eisinger, Emily Gleckner, and Nancy Kuhn of the Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure. Our topic is the City of Denver's Multimodal and Pedestrian Safety Plan, Vision Zero, to keep pedestrians safer. We'll continue touching key aspects of the plan and how it's coming to life on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get your vaccine to keep yourself and your family healthy. And many thanks to you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.